0: So this is the first week in a new series we're doing, and it's in the book of Daniel. And I'm really excited about this series. Um, it's going to be great. It's called, if we have a slide up, Against the Flow. We're calling the series Against the Flow. It's a really uh, great book, Daniel, and it helps us to think about how to live as Christians in a culture that's hostile to God. Okay, So we're going to be thinking about that a lot more over the coming weeks. The series is going to run from, from this week through to the end of... Uh, March, I think, two months. Don't worry about the noise, that's fine. We're really uh, glad the kids are here and enjoying themselves, so uh, don't worry about that. So what are we going to do today? So we're going to uh, look basically today at uh, some of the big themes from the book of Daniel, okay? So we're going to look at two big ideas that we see from the book of Daniel. We're going to focus in on those, and we're going to think about how those help us to live as Christians, live for God, in a world that's hostile to Him. Okay. So before we get going with that, I'd like to try and give a little bit of background to the book of Daniel, because that's going to help us as we go through. All right? So a little bit of background to what Daniel's about. It's a book in the Old Testament of the Bible, and it's, um, it was written before Jesus, several hundred years before Jesus. And uh, Daniel lived in a place called Jerusalem, and he lived in that place just at the time it was being captured by some enemies, a, a big uh, country, uh, empire called the Babylonian Empire and this guy Daniel lived there and him and his friends were taken away to Babylon the capital city of Babylonia now you might have heard of Babylon I've got a couple of uh, uh, slides on the screen you might have heard of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon anyone heard of those? Hanging Gardens of Babylon one of the seven wonders of the ancient world we don't know what they look like this is an artist's impression but the king at the time Nebuchadnezzar um, he had a wife who was from the country and she wanted a bit of the taste of the country in the city so he built these gardens for her he was that powerful and that rich, he just built these gardens in the middle of the city. So that's the hanging gardens. Now, when Daniel and his friends walked into Babylon, their jaws would have dropped. Okay? At the time, Babylon was the biggest city in the whole world. Imagine, uh, has anyone been to a really big city, somewhere like Sao Paulo or Mexico, Mexico City, somewhere like that? Anyone been to a really big city? I've been to Sao Paulo once, and it was crazy. You, you, fly, you fly over it, and the plane just keeps going, and the houses just keep going. It's incredible. So Babylon was the biggest city in the world... Daniel would have walked in and seen something like this. Uh, The Temple of Marduk. It was an incredible feat of engineering for the day. An amazing building. And this is what Babylon would have looked like roughly at the time Daniel and his friends went there. So, really impressive city. And the strategy that the Babylonians had, they ruled the world, and their strategy was, when they conquered a place, the people they conquered, they took the best people from there, the most intelligent people, and took them back and trained them up in their own universities to kind of shape them into Babylonians to take, take on their culture. And that's what happened to Daniel and his friends. And Daniel's the guy that wrote this book and we're going to be looking at it over the next few weeks. So it wasn't just these amazing feats of engineering, these amazing gardens. The culture of Babylon was quite different to what Daniel and his friends would have been used to as well. They were used to worshipping one god, Yahweh, the Lord of heaven and earth. And the Babylonians, next slide, had hundreds of gods. These are just three of them. Uh, we've got our friend Marduk there who had the temple. And um, this is just, just three of hundreds of gods. It's a very, very different kind of culture that Daniel and his friends went into. They would have been amazed. It was a foreign world for them. And one of the reasons that we wanted to look at the book of Daniel is because the experiences that Daniel had in this city of Babylon are actually in some ways very similar to the kinds of experiences we have in our culture, or Christians have in this culture. A lot of similarities. So... The the culture that Daniel went into would have been very, very hostile to any kind of belief in in their God, the God of the Bible, Yahweh. The the culture of the Babylonians, they had hundreds of gods and they were accommodating to new gods. They didn't mind you bringing your God in. and They added added it to the list of gods. But for anyone to say, I believe in one God who made everything in heaven and earth, that was was no way. That that was out out of the question. So the... The belief of Daniel and his friends in one God would have been a no-go. They, that was um, really uh, treated with hostility. As long as you were happy to worship everyone and tolerate what was going on, that's fine. But as long as, you say, as soon as you say that there's one God who created everything, then, uh, then uh, the, 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 um, the weapons come out. And does that sound familiar to anyone? Our, our culture, isn't it? It's a, it's a culture where we, we love tolerance and we love... Um, accepting different uh, religions, uh, everyone's welcome regardless of gender, uh, race, belief, and that's great. And equal opportunities is brilliant. But there are some things, aren't there, that our culture doesn't tolerate. For instance, when you say Jesus is the only way to God, that's a no-go. Or if you say, like Daniel would have said, there is one God who, who made everything. He made the heavens and the earth. And, and you say in, in doing that that the other gods aren't real. So you're saying there's one God he sets right and wrong, and that, that's true for everyone. That applies to everyone. When you say that kind of thing, serious hostility. And we see that in our culture. A couple of examples for you. So, um, next slide. October last year, um, there was a case, the, the top, top case here. Um, a couple called, the a bakery called, sorry, Ashes. Ashes Bakery, is that right? Yeah. In Northern Ireland. Um, politely, they were asked to, to make uh, a cake, which... Uh, uh, which um, promoted a view of marriage which wasn't theirs and was um, not consistent with their view, a biblical view of marriage. And they politely said, we just can't in good conscience make that cake for you. They were taken to court by this, this guy who asked them to make the cake and they were sued and they lost the, the appeal in October last year. So the, what the court is saying there is there are certain views that you can't hold in this country. There are certain views that you cannot hold, that we're intolerant of you holding that view. That's what they're saying. Another example, December Uh, Last year, just a couple of months ago, an experienced nurse in the NHS um, fired because she was just talking to her patients about Jesus, uh, expressing her faith in a a one-on-one relational way um, within the kind of the boundaries that had been set. And uh, uh, there was a couple of complaints, and she was fired from her job. Again, the message is that's okay for you privately, but don't make it public. There's certain things we can't tolerate here, and one of those is speaking about Jesus. Can you see our culture in some ways is very similar? It's very hostile to belief in Jesus and faith in Jesus and that's why the book of Daniel is a great book because uh, in Daniel we see a a guy who stood up for faith in Jesus in a hostile culture and he stood up for it not just privately but publicly and he didn't just survive he he thrived so one more thing to mention before we go any further I should have said this earlier we've got a few crowns on the table everyone see a a crown everyone got a a crown that that was on their chair um, you should have had one on your chair as you, as you, um, as you came in. So these crowns are for you. There's a, there's a few pens on the front tables. If you want to grab a pen, then feel free. Just to wander around, we don't mind that. And uh, I mentioned earlier, we're going to be um, talking about two big ideas from the book of Daniel. Okay? So the first um, big idea I'll come to in a minute, but what I'd like you to try and do, here's a challenge for you. If you'd like to accept this challenge, um, as I go through and, and as you try and listen to me and listen to what I'm saying, if you can write down the, the big ideas that I say from Daniel, try and write them down and remember them. And if you can come to me at the end, and you've got them right, and you can sh- uh, hand me your crown, then I'll give you a prize, all right? So that's your challenge. So as we're going through, try and listen out. It doesn't matter what age you are, you can do this whether you're 6 or 60, and you'll get the same prize, no discrimination. So uh, yeah, listen out for that, and grab a pen if you need to. And, uh, and you, you can take a, a few more pens and colour them in and decorate them, and... If you want to take them away and put them on your fridge, you can have that there, and it can remind you of what we're doing over the next couple of months as we go through this this series, and it will remind you of these big themes that we're looking at. Okay, so that's what the crown is there for. So uh, first big idea, you ready? And this is going to be on the screen to help you remember, the first really big idea we get from Daniel that's all the way through the book is that God is the one who's really in charge, okay? God is the one who's really in charge, So the book of Daniel is a book about uh, kings and rulers and these kings are very powerful and these kings, uh, they control vast empires and they can do whatever they want and the message that keeps coming through Daniel that keeps being driven home is there's a higher throne, there's a higher king above those kings God is above the gods of Babylon he's above the kings of Babylon and he's the one who calls the shots he's the one who's really in charge that's the message that keeps coming through this book as we read through it. God keeps on being referred to in Daniel as the most high God. He's not just one God. He is the most high God. He is the God above all gods. And there's, there's one repeated phrase that comes a few times in the book that captures this, this really well. It's a repeated phrase. that comes three or four times in the first few chapters. And I'm not going to tell you what the phrase is because I want us to try and learn it by playing a game so this is the time that you get to participate audience interaction if my two uh, lovely volunteers could come to the front that would be great my glamorous assistants Lisa and Dave great effort guys give them a round of applause that was great Have have a little prize well done there you go guys great effort can we have the answer on the screen Mike there you go Hannah well done Okay, should we try and say this together? Should we say it out loud? The Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. So that comes up four times in chapters 4 and 5 of Daniel. The Most High, that's God, the one true God, rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Isn't that interesting? There's a throne above the thrones that Daniel can see. There's a throne above the king of Babylon. The Most High is the one who rules over the kingdoms of men and he gives those kingdoms to whom he will. It's a really key phrase. Should we say it one more time? The Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And that's a phrase that it'd be great if we could really get that planted into our hearts the next few weeks because that's going to come back again and again over the coming weeks. And the reason it's great to get that phrase planted in our hearts is because it's good news. It's really, really good news that God rules, that God is the one who's really in charge. I think it's especially good news at the moment with all the kind of political turmoil that's happening in the world. We've got, uh, I think today, Donald Trump's been in office two weeks and already in that two weeks it feels like everything has kicked off and he's in battles all over the place and the scariest thing is it's so unpredictable. No one knows what's going to happen next but it's pretty certain whatever does happen next, there'll be big consequences for the world. It's so, uh, it's kind of scary, isn't it? And it's not just over there. I think that Europe is in turmoil, isn't it? We've had the largest number of refugees uh, influxed into Europe since World War II, and that's causing all sorts of tension. We've got uh, elections coming up in uh, the Netherlands, in France, Germany, all of them unpredictable. Anything could happen. Terrorist attacks going on. There's so much uncertainty that it's, it's just the time, I think, that we need to have this kind of message. There is a throne above thrones of this world. There is a government above governments, and that is the government of God. And none of our world leaders are really the ones calling the shots. Nothing can happen outside of God's control. Nothing can happen in America. Nothing can happen in the EU. It can't stay together. It can't break up, unless God wants it to, unless that's his will. And... We may not understand everything he does or understand why he's doing it, but we don't have to because he's God and we leave that to him. That's the point. And that means we can sleep at night. That means we can trust him. That means we can rest because we know that he's the one in charge. And the reason it's so good news is because of who the most high is. He's not just another dictator. That would be just to remove the problem one step. He's a loving father. He's a father who knows each one of his children personally and cares for us. That's why we can trust him, because he keeps his promises. Thanks, guys. Great. So we've seen that God's the one who's really in charge of this world. Not human governments, not human kings. It's God who calls the shots. That's our first big idea from Daniel. Okay, our second big idea is that because the first thing is true, therefore... God's people can go against the flow. Got that on the screen? Because God's really in charge, that means God's people can go against the flow. That's a massive theme in the book of Daniel. We're going to see that coming back again if you come back and join us in future weeks. We see Daniel and his friends constantly standing up against the culture. Whenever they're asked to do something that's that's out of line with following God, they say no. They show amazing courage. It happens again and again. And they're able to do that. They're able to go against the flow because they know that their God is the true God, that he's the one who's really in charge, that he's the one who's in control. So there's one story that shows this, this truth particularly really clearly, and it's from Daniel chapter 3. I'd like us to go there now, and, but we're not going to read it in the Bible. We're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to try acting it out. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was lovely. Did everyone spot that? Everyone spot those words in blue? What was it that enabled them to stay standing and face the fire? The God we serve is able to deliver us from it. They knew that God was really in charge, didn't they? They knew there was a God that was higher than Nebuchadnezzar. He was really calling the shots. And he was able to deliver them from it. But they said, even if he doesn't, we want you to know we're not going to bow down to your idol. Wow! Isn't that amazing? They were under pressure, and they were able to stand because they knew God. And we are under pressure, often, aren't we? If you're a Christian, you'll know the feeling of being under pressure. I mentioned earlier some of the ways that our culture tries to keep us quiet or stop us from speaking about Jesus and it might be that you're facing that kind of situation in your workplace. Maybe you're facing an employer who's, who's ready to fire you, or someone, a client who's ready to sue you if you speak to, to, uh, too boldly about him. Or maybe it's not in your workplace. Maybe it's just someone you know, a friend or a colleague, who's just anti-religion and anti-God. I was having a chat with a, a colleague of mine a year ago who uh, became an atheist by reading The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. And it's guys like him that are inspiring lots of people to, to be really anti, anti-God. I was chatting to him and I gave him a book and we had, got talking, asked him a few questions. And um, he said, well, why don't you read The God's Delusion?" And then uh, I'll read your book and we'll get, to, get together and talk about it over a beer. So I'm reading The God Delusion at the moment, 10 years after it was published. And uh, it's amazing reading the book about how much uh, anger and hatred Richard Dawkins has towards God and religion. It's, it's kind of shocking. But a lot of people share that. Maybe you're experiencing that. Maybe you're experiencing that kind of pressure from someone that you know who just doesn't like what you stand for. Or maybe it's not so um, direct. Maybe it's a more subtle pressure that you're facing. Maybe it's the pressure of someone just being a bit suspicious of you or thinking you're a bit weird. I was having another chat this week with a colleague of mine, quite a senior colleague. Um, I was telling him about uh, what I do and about the church and about how involved I am and about how much of a priority it is for me, even more than my work. And he said, to be honest, that's what I fear about religion. Where does it stop? You could get so devoted to it and you could give up everything for it. I said, well, yeah, that's kind of the point. And that's not always a bad thing. If you're following someone like Jesus, it's good to be devoted to someone like that. But he, the way he was talking just made me, made me feel like he just thinks I'm a bit crazy here. He thinks I'm a bit weird. Maybe you're ex- experiencing that kind of thing, that kind of pressure from someone that's looking at you and just thinking, you're a bit strange. Or maybe you're in school. Or maybe your workplace is a school. I was talking to another friend yesterday and he said that um, he knew someone who was uh, 18, just just finished school. He said to him, you've survived what's probably the most difficult and dangerous environment this country has to offer. School. We do not think about that. School was hard when I was there. I I can't imagine how hard it is now to stand up in front of everyone and hold up Christian values. A school is a really hard environment, a, a really difficult environment. Maybe you're there. And maybe you're feeling the pressure. Now wherever you are, if you follow Jesus and you're feeling the pressure, the message of Daniel is this. That God's people can go against the flow. It's possible. And it's possible not just to survive, but it's possible to thrive. That's what we see Daniel's friends doing. That's what we're going to see next week. They stand up for God and they don't just survive, they thrive. They're the healthiest people. Well, come back next week, you'll find out more. It's great. It's a great story. God's people can go against the flow because they know God's in charge. They know there's a bigger God. If you follow Jesus, you know there's a God who's above everything else. And that means you can stand, and you can be bold, and you can face whatever the culture throws at you. One more thing. One more thing not to miss before we move on. And that is, what was happening over here in the fire? Who was that fourth person with them? Who was he? The, uh, the, the, the story that we talked about called him an angel. And in the Bible, Nebuchadnezzar, the actual word he uses is someone like a son of God. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, I don't think, knew who he was. But we know, and I think there are really good reasons to believe, that person was no mere angel. That was the son of God. That was... Jesus himself, in the fire with them. There's not time to explain now why I think that. We'll talk more about it when we come to it in three or four weeks' time. But Jesus was in the fire with those three. And that's the way of Jesus. Jesus' way is not to take us around affliction. It's not to take us around the fire. It's to take us through it. But he's there with us in it. He's in the fire with us. He knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to be under intense pressure and when he takes us there he's with us in it he's with the fire in us and he never buckled under the most intense pressure you could ever imagine he never buckled he came through it he died and he rose again and now he reigns over every other kingdom and he's the one who's in charge and he's the one who calls the shots and that means if we follow him we can be confident and we can find strength in him whatever culture throws at us whatever people say Whatever kind of pressure you might be experiencing, you can stand firm because Jesus is the one on the throne. Look, maybe you're not a Christian and maybe you're just looking in and you're thinking, well, that feels like a kind of strange thing to say, to be able to take that kind of hit from from society and people around you and, and, and face it and stand firm in it. And if you're intrigued by that, if you're intrigued how someone could do that and why we would want to do that, then chat to us. We'd love to talk to you more about who Jesus is and why it's so worth it to follow him. Jesus is the one who's really in charge. And that means that those who follow him can go against the flow. We can swim in the face of our culture and we can survive. But not just that, we can thrive. So why don't we pray? I'll pray and then we'll sing another song and then we're done. Father, we thank you so much for what we've been able to learn today about the book of Daniel and about you Thank you that you are the one who's really in charge. Thank you that you are the one who controls everything that happens in this world. And thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that that means we don't have to fear. Thank you that means we can go to sleep at night. We can rest with our head on the pillow and not be anxious. And Father, thank you that you're a God who is with us in the afflictions and the trials we face, in the pressure we experience. Thank you that you're a God who cares and who has experienced it yourself. And thank you that you want to lead us through it because you've got things you want to teach us. We couldn't learn any other way. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us. We pray you will continue to speak to us through this book over the next few weeks. Would you imprint this book onto our hearts and our lives? We pray. And go with us this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So come back. We've got six or seven more weeks. It's going to be great. Over to the band.